The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 123 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. This week, I am really honored to get to go back to episode two, my very first ever author interview, Stan C. Smith. He is back again today. We're having a sit down through Zoom and getting to catch up a little bit. And I am so happy about it. I'm so thrilled to get to bring this conversation to you because as anybody who's been a fan of the show and been listening for a while and maybe you've gone back and checked out that episode, Stan and I are in the same writing group here locally, so I get to have insights into his books all the time. And so we're we're friends. Uh, I've really been dependent on him and his incredibly sound advice uh, for my own stories over the years. And uh, suffice to say, I'm very lucky to know him. And uh, it's, it is my great thrill today to get to bring him back on the show. I've been wanting to have them on here for a while and finally got around to uh, getting to ask him on here. And you're in for a treat because we talk about a few of his series that has just totally changed his writing career in the last two years since, uh, since he was last on. And you get to hear all about it. And that's coming up here in just a moment. Hey, make sure that you are following the show on our social media platforms at Facebook and Twitter. That's just the Sample Chapter Podcast. You can follow us there on both of those. I haven't been sharing that much on any of my social media platforms just due to my work schedule. But I still try to post as much as I can and I'm gonna and I should be able to get better about that again here real shortly. So make sure you're following us there. Uh, don't forget to hit us up on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, That's been a really great platform. Lots of people starting to follow. Um, I mean, we've been on there this summer. will be our one year that we've been on there. And and this is episode 123, but we have over 1,500 views just on YouTube. So that's fast becoming one of our big platforms. And I, I think it's because people really enjoy getting to go in and see... The book, you know, the book covers right there as the episode is playing. And of course, you got the links for the author, so you can go pick up a copy of it when you're done. And uh, that, that's been a really fun place. And of course, today will be just the same. You're going to see this incredible book cover on Stan's latest book. So make sure you're following us over there as well. But otherwise, the show is available on all podcast platforms, wherever you like to digest this information and get it into your listening ears. While you're maybe while you're working out or going for a walk, or like Stan likes to do, go for a nature walk. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're if you're gonna walk in the woods. I don't think you really want something playing in your ears. At least not in Stan's world. You definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> but hey, uh, just in case you are not a social media person, uh, but you would like to reach out to the show, you can do so at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, if you have a recommendation, and I will get back to you as quick as possible, and we'll, uh, we'll just keep in touch. How's that? <laughs> so no, uh, no news this week, per se. It's been, uh, been a very, very busy couple of weeks. Uh, I've had a lot of 
maintenance going on with my house, some renovations, and uh, changing out floors, and my work schedule has been pretty, pretty intense, actually, the last three weeks, <clears throat> so not a whole lot more to, uh, to share, I, although I did get a chance to open up my Scrivener for, uh, it's the first time in almost two weeks that I've done any writing, and, you know, I, just being real here, I'm, I'm just sharing with you the, the brutal honesty of it, that I, I've just been that kind of busy, and I probably, well, in fact, I know I've had some mornings where I could have, but I've been so tired that it's like all I can do to, to just sit there mindlessly and maybe play a little, you know, like a little Animal Crossing or something on my phone. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm a grandpa, almost 50 years old, and I'm playing Animal Crossing or something uh, in the mornings while I'm waiting on the coffee to brew. But... What I was getting, the point I was trying to get to, though, was that I did yesterday, and again today, I got to open up my laptop, and rather than going back into my work-in-progress novel idea that's due out as soon as I can get it ready, I actually opened up my uh, my Bandit Chronicles, book two, and wrote in there, and oh man, I mean, I, I did, I think it was 160 words yesterday, and today I did about... Uh, well, all total, I did two little sprints, and I ended up with about 360 words uh, today. And that's just two quick 15-minute sprints. So, yeah, not a whole lot, but it's been uh, been stuff working in the back of my mind, information I needed to get down, and oh my gosh, it felt so good to write, just to write something new. And that's one of the things I love about Scrivener, is that I've got multiple projects in there, so it's no big deal for me to hop in and start editing on novel idea and then all of a sudden something clicks oh i know how i'm going to fix that thing on the other page or i know what i need to say in this other story and i just save my work i go into the other document and pull up bandit chronicles and now i can right away and finish that chapter and that's exactly what i've been doing here uh yesterday and today and and uh, i'm going to try and get that continuity back you know start start working every day but Anyway, uh, but speaking of Scrivener, uh, we'll just start with them as a uh, valued sponsor of the show. I'm going to go ahead and play a spot for them. So make sure you're listening for how you can save yourself 20% on your next purchase. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Scrivener Writing Software, I love that stuff, and it has been so valuable to me. I, I love getting to open that up and go right back to where I left off. I also want to give a big shout out to my longtime sponsor, YouStoreAll, out of right here in Warrensburg, Missouri. They're the premier self-storage facility with everything you could ask for in a storage facility. Two locations, fully fenced, 
gated access, you're going to have your own private gate code, well lit all night long, climate control and non-climate control, and they are a green facility, meaning they have they run things off of solar power and very bright LED lighting. Check them out online at ustorall.net. That's spelled the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Thank you also to my very first podcast network that uh, that this show joined, Pop Goes the Culture Network. Click the link in the show notes for more about them and all the different shows that they have. It's all pop culture and movie related. Everything about your geek culture that you have an interest in, you will find it there. And don't forget to also follow up with Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, their flagship show. They do live recordings on Thursday night, and you can participate on their cast channel. So click the link in the show notes so you can get over there and find out how you can participate in one of their live events. And uh, tell them Jason said hi. And last but not least, I want to say thank you to Project Entertainment Network, my latest podcast network that we've become part of. With more than, I think it's 35 different shows now on the network. You have a whole slew of shows to check out. More than I can name off right now. Uh, Although that might be kind of fun to try and do one of these days. (laughs) But uh, check out this ad for one of them. And make sure you click the link in the show notes for more. This is Jim Adams from Monster Attack. Hey, if you remember that monster movie from your childhood that got it all started for you, the one that really got you interested in monster movies, horror movies, sci-fis, and cult films, then you're going to want to listen every week to Monster Attack. We look at some of our favorite monster movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. With new episodes uploaded every Monday, it's Monster Attack exclusively on the Project Entertainment Network. And that's another one of those amazing shows over at Project Entertainment Network. Make sure you click over there and check out everything they have to offer. Well, like I said, this week we are visiting with with the incredible science fiction author and a guy I'm fortunate enough to call friend, Stan C. Smith. He is now on his third series of books uh, with a couple of standalones in the midst. His first series, the Diffusion series, is uh, what got him going and uh, got him established in the writing world. His Bridger series after that set him apart from most authors with consecutive number one bestsellers. And now his latest, The Absolute Theorem, which is uh, part of his brand new series, The Across Horizons, is, is definitely due to put him in another atmosphere. <laughs> and... I mean, you know, I I joke with them about being jealous, and it's funny how amongst authors, yeah, we we do get jealous of each other, and and Stan is one of those guys that I am both extremely proud of, and yeah, sure, I'm, I'm definitely jealous of, but I know how hard he works. I know the effort he puts into it, and, and it's not just Stan, it's his wife, Trish, who I think is probably listening to this too, so hello, Trish. I hope you're doing well and uh, keeping Stan well behaved. So, looking forward to catching up with both of you at a live event sometime. But Stan and I have a a really great talk today that you're going to really enjoy. He is a lifelong Edgar Rice Burroughs fan. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We talk about how uh, what he like, what kind of things he sees on a nature walk, and how he is 
you know, just doing his best to put out the best stories that he can. So, anyway, enough of me talking about it. Let's get on over to our conversation with Stan C. Smith. Welcome back to the Sample Chapter Podcast, everyone. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy today. I get to go all the way back visiting with my friend from episode, uh, I guess technically it'd be episode two, but it was my very first author interview with Stan C. Smith, and today he is back. Author of the sci-fi thriller adventure stories. Oh my gosh, so many things to talk about. I cannot wait to dive in. So Stan, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I look forward to talking to you. I'm I'm so happy to be able to have you back on here. I can't believe it's been so long. Which which is funny because no, I think we talked about in the first uh, that first episode that we're in the same writing group, so we get to see each other, but not so much here in the last uh, couple of months. No, the last couple of months have been pretty crazy, and uh, uh, our face to face meetings have had uh, they're on hold, and we've been doing some by uh, using Zoom. Um, but I'm not sure how much longer we'll have to do that, but it may still be in another month or two. Could be a little while longer. I'm, and I, I'm just amazed at how different my schedule has changed and my Tuesdays are now packed full of, uh, of everything. And so I'm looking forward to uh, getting back in there and, uh, visiting with, with you and all of our writer friends again soon. But, uh, it's, it's fun to, for us, like for us to be able to catch up like this, but then at the same time, for uh, my, my listeners who haven't heard from you since back then, something that stands out to me was, so this is almost two and a half years ago, episode two, and I remember when you and I were talking during the interview and you wanted to read from this, uh, this little series that you were working on called Bridgers, and we got to talk about it and it was exciting to hear what this might be. Lo and behold, that completely changed your career didn't it uh it that that series took off and and um and uh, i'm real pleased with the way it's been going it's that series is complete now it's got six six primary books and and uh and one prequel that's been doing real well so yeah it's it's uh pretty exciting for me yeah i uh, i was so thrilled about that that when i when i hit episode 100 i wanted to uh touch on that how <laughs> how the show has grown and here's some of my my past favorite authors how they've grown as well and uh, just how big uh, you have grown as an author since then with multiple bestsellers and just completely changing everything and oh my gosh I mean it's not gonna be too long before I, I think uh, Hollywood might be knocking on your door or at least Netflix <laughs> well that's uh that's something all authors hope for I suppose but uh, <laughs> in the meantime I'm just gonna keep putting out the best books I can. And, and uh, I always look forward to starting a new series uh, because I have so many ideas. Uh, the problem is there's no shortage of ideas. There is a shortage of time, but uh, um, I'm not a particularly fast writer, but I'm doing the best I can. Well, you've been doing really well though, still. I mean, I know you say you're not a fast writer, but you're putting out 
see, so two and a half years, you put out six books with the Bridgers series. I think you did a complete revision of Diffusion. You had Parthenium's yep. Year, and there was another one or two short stories in in that time as well. Uh, yeah, there's in the Diffusion series. There's a there's a short story called Blue Arrow. Um, Parthenium's Year, of course, is a standalone. That's the only book I have that I have published right now that's a standalone story. Uh, and I'm on my third series now, which is called Across Horizons. Yeah, and you've already put one out with the second one. Is it is it the second one come out yet? The second one is not out yet. It's um, I'm working on it furiously um, right now, and, and um, I'm determined to put that out before the end of July. Oh, my gosh. Well, color me jealous because at the time, again, going back to when we first talked on the show, you had uh, you had just finished, I think, Diffusion and was working on Bridgers. Yeah. Uh, so in that time, you've done six books with Bridgers, Parthenium's Year, uh, started this new series with Obsolete Theorem, and about to finish your next one. So what is that, eight, nine books? And I had one book in that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're awful busy doing other things. So I retired, you know, not too long before the last time you and I talked on this podcast. and, and uh, Having been retired, that can make a pretty big difference on uh, how much time you can spend per day on writing. So Absolutely. I feel fortunate, fortunate yeah. to be able to do it full time now. One of the things I love about your stories is that me knowing you personally, I know how much you love the outdoors and, and going out into the, the woods, going for walks and uh, being a follower of your, your e-newsletter, the uh, amazing animals that you put out. But then you write these incredibly wild science fiction stories. Where does this come from? <laughs> well, all of, all of my stories take place in wilderness settings. They often involve, involve you know, survival in the wilderness and strange animals and some, some friendly, some animals not so friendly. Uh, uh, that part of it is just... A, characteristic I've had all my life. I've always loved to be outdoors and I've always been fascinated by creatures. Um, and my background is in biology and, and ecology in, in college and, and uh, um, when I taught science, you know, for a number of years. And, uh, but I've also always loved science fiction. Uh, I kind of grew up um, learning to read books by reading Edgar Rice Burroughs books, you know, the, mm -hmm. the uh, John Carter of Mars and Tarzan and all that and was fascinated by all the creatures and the strange settings. And so that's where it comes from really is the combination of what I've always loved to read as well as my fascination with wildlife and my background in science. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just imagining then what it must be like to go on a nature walk with you. And for instance, you come across a pill bug and in your mind, you're thinking, Oh, this should be as big as a Buffalo. <laughs> and and uh, come out and and of course I'm referencing uh, the Bridgers series with that. <laughs> is is that kind of an idea of where your mind goes? That that is, and that <laughs> might seem a little strange to people, but um, um, I can't help but think of well, what if what if this thing was much larger, or what what if we were in an alternate version of Earth, and um, for example, mammals never evolved, and and instead. Uh, when the dinosaurs went extinct, it only left uh, a variety of birds, and the birds themselves became dominant and and, uh, 
and and uh, some of them even involve some intelligence. You know, what would it be like then? Well, that's that's the concept behind Bridgers One. And then each of the Bridgers books, of course, is a different. Um, it's a very different concept that's that's like that. You know, what what if um, the world was dominated by amphibians, for example, in like in Brid in Bridgers Six. And so whenever I'm out on a hike or taking pictures of things out there, I, that, I can't help it. That's what crosses my mind is uh, what would it be like if this was different, you know, or if these, these, you know, had existed for far before people did or something like that, you know? <laughs> so uh, while we're talking about Bridgers, let's, uh, let's remind the listeners what the, the Bridgers series about what's, what's like the elevator pitch for this. Well, um, basically imagine that, that we have the technology to jump uh, almost instantaneously to an, uh, an alternate universe. Uh, not time travel. It's totally different. The Across the Horizon series deals with time travel, at least in the way I like to deal with it. But j jumping to an alternate version of Earth. Uh, so you're not traveling through space or anything like that. You're just jumping to the exact same spot on Earth, except that it's an alternate Earth. And the interesting thing is, the device that allows you to jump or bridge, that's where the word bridgers comes from, the, the device that allows you to bridge between these universes, you can tell it at what point in the past did that alternate version of Earth um, diverge from our own. If it diverged only a year ago, then the universe you're jumping to, the version of Earth you're jumping to would not be all that different. We might have, a, you know, different people elected to office. We might have some people might have died and, and others lived and things like that, but it probably wouldn't look all that different. But imagine if you jump to a version of Earth that diverged a thousand years ago, or in the case of Bridgers 1, 80 million years ago, or in the case of Bridgers 6, closer to 500 million years ago then you can imagine the version of earth that you're jumping to would be drastically different than where we are now. And the life that exists on that version would be completely different, possibly dangerous, possibly not. And uh, that just, to me, that just boggles my mind. And, and, and uh, uh, I, I love the concept. And so I really enjoyed writing that series. Oh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I, and I have to say, you, you almost ruined my vacation that summer because I, I finally got a chance to start reading it when I was in Southern Missouri in Branson and uh, <laughs> we were camping and I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading Stan's book. And it was all I could do to not just read it all the time when I'm like waiting at, uh, at the park that we went to and, and other places. And my wife was like, will you put the book away? And I was like, I can't. It's like, it's so good. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the intent. My, my intent is to ruin your vacation. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it certainly enhanced it. There was never a dull moment. And looking back now, it's been two years since I, since I read that. It's hard to decipher now, remember which part was uh, my vacation and which part was in the book. <laughs> well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the animal attacks were in the book. <laughs> Oh, and yeah, you know, for me, the, uh, the alternative fun to that too was I'm re I came back from vacation and I was just finishing the book and you were already, I think, finishing book three or in the midst of book four. So getting to have little snippets of that whenever we would meet and I'm 
almost to the point of like wanting to close my ears going, no, 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 no. Oh <laughs> yes. No, I, I do want to hear this. Yes. So <laughs> some of the, yeah. the benefits of, of being in the same writing, writing group. Yeah. A lot of spoilers come out, in, in the writing group. <laughs> but so, it, it is kind of difficult to, when you're in a writing group and we, we share our excerpts, we usually only read uh, five double space pages at a time. And usually I listen to it and it's a lot of fun, but then I want to know more, you know, I want to, I want to keep reading and then, we, but then we have to switch to another one. So uh, it, it's nice when uh, you have a chance to, to see it all come together in one, one continuous book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that's well, I keep coming back to that, that it's been a lot of fun, but just having this, this wonderful group that we've got and uh, so many of them that have successfully published uh, in the last couple of years, and uh, getting to see it from concept to fruition and then, and then getting to read that later on and like, Oh my gosh, I remember, you know, I remember having a conversation trying to decide where this was going to go. And it's just so wonderful. Yes, it is. So I, I know, I think I know the answer to this, but do you have a favorite character that you've written so far? Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I would have to say up until the last, few months i would say it might have been infinity mm-hmm. who's a female character in the bridgers series that uh she's one tough cookie she's, a, she's <laughs> been a, she was a she grew up in a, a really tough uh childhood immediately got into kind of semi-professional um fighting mixed martial arts was a struggling fighter couldn't couldn't seem to make ends meet and then she had a job offer to uh, work for the uh, for this Safe Trek bridging company, um, and her job was to protect tourists and scientists who bridge to an alternate version of Earth. The reason why they needed someone who had hand-to-hand fighting skills is because when you bridge, every everything that's non-living is stripped away from you, and so you end up, you know, you can't take any weapons, you can't take any recording equipment, any cameras. Your clothing is stripped away, your hair is stripped away, and you have to survive for 36 hours with basically nothing um, except for your bare hands and your ingenuity. And so um, that's what Bridgers is all about. The, the Bridgers are those that are hired to protect those people. And Infinity is uh, the, the, one of the protagonists uh, of the whole series. And um, she has been probably my, my favorite character up until I've started this Across Horizons series in which I have another female character who is uh, also, you know, a fierce fighter and, um, and a hunter. And she's, her name is Skyra, but uh, I'll have to tell you a little bit more about that when I read the, the first part of the first chapter. She's not even human. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I remember, it, it's amazing with everything that's been taking place. It just seems so long ago that I remember you bringing in and, and reading from that. And, and then all of a sudden the first book has been out for a while and it, it hit number one. You're about to come out with book two. And I'm thinking, my gosh, I, I didn't get the usual input on this that I usually, you know, the behind the scenes that I usually have yeah. by now. So it's, it's uh, you're like uh, most of my authors who are guests on here. It's, I usually have more insight, but uh, now it's like, Oh gosh, I can't wait to, to hear more about this and what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the Cross Horizon series, I'm 
very excited about. There's only, like, like you said, there's only one of the books out so far and the other one hopefully will be out by the end of next month. But um, it's, you know, just with only one book out, what's surprising is that it's, you know, that book is on a consistent day-by-day basis, the, the biggest seller I have so far. So I would imagine that by the time uh, the rest of the entire series is out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be another game changer for me. I'd say so. Now, you're doing something a little bit different with this series than what you did with Bridgers. Uh, Bridgers, you came out with the first, I think it was the first three in pretty quick succession, uh, which I think that, and that was by design, correct? Yes. I, I, the first two were very close together. I was, I was kind of determined to do a, a, a rapid release strategy. Um, and, and perhaps still that's, that's the way to go, but I, I've kind of gotten away from that and I just get them out as quickly as I can. And as soon as I finish one and get it completely edited and perfected, um, I, I release it. And so I'm, I'm trying to get a book out about once per three months. Uh, it might be closer to three and a half or four, but I'm, I'm shooting for once per three months. And um, rather than writing three books and then releasing them a week or two apart, Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's still, I mean, if you keep up that schedule, that's still four books a year and that's a a really good pace. Yeah. Well, it's slower than some and faster than others. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I, uh, I'm always striving to increase the pace, but, um, you know, everyone's mind works differently and I simply cannot get the words down much faster than I do. And I suppose I, at some point I might try, uh, narration, you know, into, into tech, to speech-to-text software, but I'm not sure m- my mind would do that well, so I haven't really gotten around to trying that. But uh, one book for three to four months is, is what I'm doing now. <laughs> well, well, so while we're on it then, tell us about the, uh, the new series, Across Horizons. What, what's going on in this? Well, whereas Bridgers was... Um, centered around technology involving the ability to jump or bridge from our universe to an alternate parallel universe. But it's still, you know, you're still in the same spot and you're just in a different version of earth in that spot. Obsolete theorem and is the first book in the across horizons series. And this series is about uh, time travel. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there on time travel and, 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 you know, there's movies and books galore. Um, but, of course, I have to make it my own. And, and uh, so it's my version of time travel. Um, the title Obsolete Theorem actually refers to a, uh, uh, an idea that one of the two protagonists, his name is Lincoln, uh, he's kind of a, uh, uh, a brilliant scientist who uh, came up with uh, the, uh, a time machine, so to speak. And he but his, he figured out that it's, it's any time you jump back in time, you create an, an alternate universe because you, you basically have to if you think about it. Because if you jump back in time and then try to jump back to where you are, it's not ever possible to do that. Because let's say you jump back one year. Well, uh, starting at that point in time a year ago, there are millions and millions of tiny little random things that happen every second, every minute, every hour, every day that make it so that when you go back forward, it's going to be completely different than where you were before. Even if you went forward again 
back and forth a million times. Every time you go back forward a year, it's going to be different because of the random events that take place. Especially if you do, if you make a change in the past, then it's going to be the difference is going to be even more profound. So um, the idea is that um, uh, he has a way of traveling back in time, but there is no way to get back to where you were before. It's, a, it's basically a one-way trip, even though you can jump back to the future. He and his team um, are forced to go back in time because uh, a the remains of a um, Neanderthal woman are found, 47,000-year-old remains, and lying among those remains is a drone, which is a robotic device with artificial intelligence that Lincoln has devised, and he uses those when he sends his, his, uh, he sends his drones back in time to collect data. And so everyone's concerned about this. Why is there a drone with a, uh, why would there even be a drone in this universe that was back 47,000 years in the past? It shouldn't be possible. Um, and then they conclude that his theorem is obsolete, which means, you know, that it is possible to send something back in time and then that thing would still exist in our universe 47,000 years later. Mm. Whereas before that, everyone thought it was not possible. So he goes back in time and he actually saves the life of this Neanderthal woman. Her name is Skyra. And um, um, that's when the adventure begins. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So you're saying there's hope for Doc Brown and Marty yet? <laughs> there, there may be. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is, this is awesome. And I, I remember the, uh, the reveal of that cover there in, uh, in writing club. That was, it's amazing, Stan, just really amazing. Well, the, the cover is, 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 um, Jake, it's by Jake Caleb Clark. He's a he's my cover designer. He's he's an awesome designer. Um, it's really helping to sell this book. It's an eye-catching cover mm -hmm. that uh, reminds me of the old Edgar Rice Burroughs books. I loved. I used to love to read. Oh it's yeah, action yeah. Scene with an animal, you know, attacking or something like that. Like like the old uh, uh, covers from those old books, um, and. Uh, and so it really is eye-catching, and I'm I'm happy that uh, he's doing these covers for me. Oh my God! Yeah, it, it, outstanding cover, and I can I can totally see why everybody is, you know, they they tell us not to judge a book by its cover, but at the same time we got to catch their attention, and you are certainly okay. doing that with uh, with these covers. Well, I just got uh, yesterday. In fact, I just got the finished cover for the third book in the series. And it's it's pretty awesome. The second one is too. Mm. Um, the third one is uh, is very eye catching. Also, oh, I'm real goodness. happy with it. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be back in group here soon, and uh, we'll get to I'll get to have the behind the scenes peek at it. Yep, yep, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, tell everybody where we can uh, find and follow you, Stan. Well, um, StanCSmith.com. Links to all the books, information about all the books and series, um, uh, other goodies there. You can sign up for my uh, email list. I have a, a, a fairly popular uh, email newsletter that goes out every two weeks, uh, like clockwork. And um, uh, people really like it. 
even people that don't read my books like the email list because uh, every two weeks I feature um, uh, what we call an awesome animal. And it's a, it's a fun look at one particular, well, awesome animal, of course. And uh, there's some other goodies like uh, lately I've been doing just because all the news is bad. I'll start my newsletters with um, happy animal facts. And uh, uh, those seem to be popular. So uh, you can join on my website, stancsmith.com. You can also look on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon in Kindle Unlimited or for purchase uh, at Stan C. Smith on Amazon. And I can, I can definitely testify for it. I believe even two and a half years ago when we last talked on the show, I, I said then yours is my favorite newsletter and it hasn't changed. I still, every time it comes in, I stop what I'm doing and I got to go through it. Uh, the only time that changes is if I see it on Facebook before I get the email, then I'll, yeah. I'll grab it on Facebook real quick and look at it. Yeah. But yeah, fantastic newsletter. Well, I do, I do post the awesome animal feature on my blog and then I, then I'll, then I'll throw something on Facebook for anyone that wants to check that out. All the other parts of the newsletter are just kind of exclusive to the, uh, the people that are on my email list. But yeah, you, for the awesome animal feature, those are, you can usually find those on Facebook. And you can find you can get to my Facebook page right off my website also stancsmith.com. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been a lot of fun for me. And I, I just love being able to finally it, it feels like home getting to catch up with, with you. At, you know, as part of my writing group and part of that that family that uh, I've been a part of for several years. And I just, I just love this so much getting to catch up a little bit. And I really miss, miss uh, you and your wife and the whole group. Yeah. Yeah. We miss meeting them in person and, and uh, hope, hope to get back to it soon. Uh, hope you can join one of the, the zoom sessions and, you know, soon too. I know you're very busy on Tuesdays, but uh, maybe that'll happen. Yeah, but, I'm. I'm looking forward to. It. I'm. I'm. I keep thinking that I'm. I'm on the verge of being not as busy as I have been, but uh, we'll see. I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been thinking that for uh, many years. And, and <laughs> All right, Stan. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show once again, and just best of luck to you, man. You've been fantastic, and uh, I. I just love sitting back and watching all your success and giving me something to aspire to and, and listeners believe me, you know, don't take my word for it. Let me just put it that way. Don't take my word for it. Go check it out. Cause he's got so much to offer and it's, he, you're going to love these stories. So. Well, I but appreciate is, that. Jason. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled that you asked me to talk to you again. Well, the, the thrill is all mine, buddy. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that means it's time for me to step aside and hand the floor over to my wonderful guest and good friend, Stan C. Smith, with his latest book, Obsolete Theorem. All right, I'm going to read just the, the first section of the very first chapter of the first book of the Across Horizon series called Obsolete Theorem. Just a quick note, um, there are two protagonists in this series, Skyrim, who I've mentioned uh, is the female, and uh, from 47,000 years ago. And there's Lincoln from current day or slightly in the future. I alternate chapters with the point of view. The very first chapter happens to be Skyra's point of view uh, before Lincoln has a chance to meet her. So here it is. Chapter one, Skyra. 47,659 years ago, Zaragoza province of Spain. 
Skyret Una Loto wasn't fond of hedgehog meat, a shame since this meal would probably be her last. She stepped on the creature's head, thrust her stone blade into its chest, and sawed through skin and bone to its hind feet. A cooking fire here would reveal her presence. So she pulled out the heart and other chest organs and shoved them into her mouth. She needed food in her belly and strength in her arms and legs. Before nightfall, she intended to kill some of the bollops who had taken her birthmate. And if Vina was still alive, Skyra would take her back. Skyra rose to her full height, scanning the trees and hillside between her and the bollop's camp. Satisfied there was no danger, she wiped the blood from her chin and dropped back into a crouch. She pulled out the hedgehog's stomach and intestines and arranged them on a rock. She would eat them only if the rest of the body didn't quell her hunger. Quietly singing to herself, she gripped the soft, spineless belly skin and began working it from the flesh, rolling the skin over itself to cover the painful spines. Her birth mother had taught her how to skin a hedgehog, which now seemed so long ago. Disregarding the risk of being heard, Skyra pounded the skinned body with a rock, pulverizing the bones and flesh into a paste. She scooped the paste up with her fingers and consumed it quickly. By the time the mashed body was gone, she felt full enough to leave behind the intestines. She took several long breaths, trying to soothe her fears. After four days of searching, she had found the bollop's camp. It was time to kill. Skyra scrubbed her hands with fresh dirt and then wiped the dirt off against a bare rock. She never wiped food or blood on her cape or waist skin. Furs of the lynx and woolly rhino were not easy to come by. She moved away from the stench of the hedgehog intestines and stepped onto a rounded boulder. Facing away from the bollop's camp, she positioned both her arms behind her back, leaving her vulnerable abdomen unprotected. She spoke softly. Kami fu mingab el meko. Hati dele melu imbo o nap technite, her words meant. Listen to me speak, woolly rhino and cave lion. I submit to you in return for your strength. She then turned to face the bollop's camp and covered her belly with her arms. Kami fu bollop mafim, ati dele melu ra abu kulu technite. Listen to me speak, bollop men. I will not submit to you, and I will take your strength. Skyra secured both her hand blades in the leather sheath on her wrist. Hedgehog blood still stained the heavy stone blade of her cull, so she wiped it off in the dirt. After sliding the cull handle first into the sling on her back, she picked up her spear. She hefted the shaft a few times and checked the tightness of the stone point. Recently, she had replaced the spear's point with one she'd found in her camp after the bollop men had attacked. Now she hoped to stain the point with bollop blood, perhaps even the blood of the same man who had so carelessly lost it. The morning after the bollop's attack, Skyra also had found two smaller stone points, each of them affixed with strips of skin to thin spears no longer than her arm. Despite their tiny size, these spears had killed two of Skyra's tribe mates. The attack had taken place in the dark, so Skyra hadn't seen how the bollop men could have thrown the small spears with such deadly force. Today, though, she would not underestimate their ability to kill her. She made her way up the hillside. Near the summit, she paused and turned to look back. Dark, scrubby trees bordered a stream in the distance. She had left Ripple to wait there, 
Now she wished the creature was with her. Perhaps it couldn't protect her, but its presence gave her courage. Actually, Skyra had no idea what kind of creature Ripple was, although it had been her companion through two cold seasons and almost two warm seasons. She muttered, Ibel, Melu, Yabo, Ra, Nako, Lotup, Mel, Indu. If I don't return, my friend, find your way home. She turned away from the valley and traversed the hilltop. Soon she caught the stench of bollops and she ducked behind a boulder to peer at the scene below. Another stream flowed by at the hill's base, this one too small to support more than a few trees. Several breaths later, she spotted bollops standing in the stream's ankle-deep water. Skyra squinted, then a whimper nearly escaped from her chest before she suppressed it. Her birthmate, Vina, was standing in the stream, surrounded by three bollop women. Vina had been stripped of her cape and waist skin. She was naked except for her two dayan, her leather foot wraps, which were barely visible in the flowing water. The women were splashing water on Vina's body, wiping away blood and grime. One woman was working specifically on the area between Vina's legs, where there seemed to be an abundance of blood. Again, Skyra suppressed a whimper. A fourth bollop, this one a man, stood beside the stream holding a rope tied around Vina's neck. Skyra whispered, Feko Gaden Technite Ra. Where is your strength, sister? Vina was just standing there, not fighting, hardly moving at all. After staring for a few more short breaths, Skyra pulled back behind the boulder and rubbed her eyes with her free hand, trying to push aside her fear. She reminded herself that she was actually lucky. Vina was away from her captor's camp, guarded only by four of the stinking bollops, and three of them were women. Unlike the women of Skyra's own people, bollop women rarely hunted, and they never participated in attacks. They were frail. Skyra hadn't killed one before, but she hoped to change that now. She scanned the hillside. Other boulders littered the slope, but they were too scattered to provide enough cover to hide her approach. She would have to descend the hill exposed. She closed her eyes for a moment, coaxing the rhino and lion's strengths to enter her arms and legs. Skyra got to her feet. Instead of charging down the hill, she walked, moving deliberately. She carried her spear in one hand and cupped the back of her neck with the other, her fingers almost touching her coal's blade. When she was halfway down the slope, the man spotted her. He shouted something using words Skyra couldn't understand. She kept walking, hoping the man's voice couldn't be heard from the bollop's camp. The three women had stopped washing Vina and were staring. Skyra could now clearly see her birthmate's face, which was swollen and bloody. Vina didn't even turn her head. She just stared into the distance as if she were dead. The man shouted again. He tossed the rope to one of the bollop women and picked up a spear from the ground by his feet. The three women stepped out of the stream, pulling on Vina's rope. Vina stumbled on the submerged rocks and fell, but instead of trying to get up, she just lay there, her face barely above the surface. Skyra was almost to the water's edge. The stream was narrow. She could cross it in three or four running strides, although the rocky bottom might trip her. She stopped and looked directly at the man. He stared back at her, then his eyes widened. He looked down at Vina and back at Skyra, confused by the two Nandup women's similar appearance. He shifted one shoulder and tilted his head slightly. At that moment, Skyra's fear faded away. From watching the man's movements, she knew what he was going to do next. 
This was a skill she had possessed for as long as she could remember. The ability had nearly gotten her killed as a child because it frightened her tribe mates, even her birth mother and the dominant men, one of which was likely to be her birth father. It frightened everyone but Vina, because Vina had the same ability. This was a good time to confuse the ballop man even further. Without taking her eyes off him, Skyra tossed her spear into the stream. He frowned as he watched the weapon bob to the surface and start drifting with the current. Skyra could sense it now, almost as clearly as if the man were one of her own species. He was confident, convinced that he was not in danger, and he was about to cross the stream. He would come at Skyra and try to take her. He lowered his spear and took a step into the water, wobbling slightly, a little off balance. Skyra charged. She reached the man in three strides without stumbling. Before he could step back onto steady ground, she pulled her coal from the sling on her back, grabbed the handle with her other hand, and swung the weapon. And that was Stan C. Smith reading a partially disgusting, but certainly (laughs) amazing sample chapter from his latest book, Obsolete Theorem. It's book one of the Across Horizons series. Hey, click the link in the show notes for Stan's website, where you can learn more about him, sign up for his e-newsletter and all of his other books in there, as well as social media links. Don't forget to also click the links for our sponsors and podcast friends alike, and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with an all-new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Remember to keep being kind to your neighbors and uh, reach out and give somebody a hand. Take care. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.